BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Dishing with Digest. I'm Stephanie Sloan, Editorial Director, here with Mara Levinsky, Senior Editor. Hi, everyone. Well, Mara, we have some casting news to talk about at Young and the Restless. Michelle Morgan, who injured her eye, sadly, had to take some time off from the show. And Carla Mosley, best known to bold and beautiful viewers as Maya, is filling in for her. We spoke to Carla for an interview in the new issue, and she says that the call came completely out of the blue for her, but it was a beautiful call to receive. She was, of course, familiar with the show and the cast. I mean, BNB tapes right across the hall. But she and Michelle had actually never really had like a meaningful chat, if you will. So she called Michelle and thanked her for leaving such a wonderful path to follow with Amanda. Uh, now, the reaction on our on our Facebook page was very positive. Fans are super excited that we're going to see Carla again. But a lot of them commented that they really want her back on BNB because the Rick and Maya story was just totally dropped. And, you know, I can't help but agree. I'm right there with you. You know, I, I just can't, I just can't help but be disappointed that such a big story, you know, Rick and Maya's love story, which was unique in daytime because they had to navigate uh, her coming out as transgender. It ended with such a whimper, like them breaking up off camera and then just kind of disappearing. Uh, I think the end of a story is just as important as the beginning and the middle. And it feels like there is just so much unfinished business there. Uh, I really do hope that that's a narrative strand that B&B picks up again. But in the meantime, I'm excited to see Carla on YNR. You know, uh, of course, all of our good wishes go out to Michelle for a speedy recovery. Uh, and I think she is doing such a fantastic job as Amanda, but I think it will be fun to see Carla step in for a bit. Um, you know, given that they are in such like different storyline universes, I don't know that we would ever see like Amanda Chelsea scenes right now, you know, during the time that Carla's pinch hitting, but that would be really fun too, because Carla actually went to high school and did like high school plays with Chelsea's portrayer, Melissa Claire Egan. And this would mark the first time that they're on the same show at the same time. Oh, I love that. That would be so much fun. Um, now, in some breaking, bold, and beautiful casting news, Kiara Barnes, who plays Zoe, has booked a role on the Fox reboot of Fantasy Island. So she is going to be leaving the soap, which she first joined in 2018. And, you know, this really makes me think that we have to give Bold and Beautiful's casting director, Christy Dooley, a serious shout out here because she should be super proud of her finds over the past few years. You know, Rome Flynn, who played Zenday, left and moved on to How to Get Away with Murder. Rain Edwards, who played Nicole, was cast in MacGyver. Anthony Turpel, who played RJ, is starring in the very popular Love Victor on Hulu. I just caught Aiden Bradley, who played Xander on an episode of All American. And now Kiara is moving on as well. Really a very impressive list yeah. in such a short amount of time. Definitely. Um, now, our May Sweeps preview issue is out, and not surprisingly, the shows have big stories planned. Uh, Bold and Beautiful will go deeper into the aftermath of Vinny's death, and there will be unexpected twists as the story unfolds. Over at Days, Ben and Claire will grow closer after Sierra leaves town. Uh, the pregnancy story with Gwen, Chad, and Abigail will have tragic consequences. Nicole will do something very destructive, and Sammy and Lucas will find themselves in a life-or-death situation. Uh, and what is going on on GH and YNR? A lot, Stephanie. Uh, <laughs> Roger Howarth, who uh, Franco died on screen in March, will make his return during May sweeps. We will see Jason and Britt go on the run, forcing Carly to make a big decision about who'll take charge of the Corinthos organization. And more than a few people are determined to bring Peter's reign of villainy to an end. 
while on uh, The Young and the Restless, with Victor determined to expose her for poisoning Adam, Chelsea makes a bold move. The Newmans will be embroiled in a dire medical crisis for Faith. And Sally's vendetta against Kyle and Summer takes a dangerous turn. So is there like a May Sweep story that you're the most looking forward to or most curious about how it will play out? Oh, yeah. I am so curious about the Thomas story on B&B because Brad Bell has been so clear that it's a murder mystery, and yet we saw Liam accidentally hit him. So it makes me wonder, like, was Vinny already dead by someone else's hand? And that's one of the twists we're going to see. I don't know. So I'm waiting for it all to unfold. Um, I'm also curious to see how Jan got out of her coma on days to kill Charlie. Like it is all of the Heather Weber goodness in my favorite story of all time, which is GH's Who Killed Diana Taylor. So what about you? Well, uh, the General Hospital writers also hinted to me that Anna will not be without romance, even though she and Finn have broken up. And I'm totally intrigued by the possibility of an Anna Valentine pairing. So I will be watching their scenes with great interest for sure. And I'm definitely invested in how the whole like Ashlyn Locke thing will play out on YNR and what the fallout will be for Kyle and Summer who are happy and planning a wedding, which often means that big trouble is on the horizon. And between, uh, you know, Kyle's secret son and Sally's vendetta, it looks like they will have plenty of obstacles in their way. Uh, Well, speaking of Sally's vendetta, our guest today is an actress who has been introduced into the tale. It's Patrika Darbo, who is now appearing on Young and Restless as Shirley Spectra, but has a lot of territory to cover in her career. So let's get her on the line to discuss it all. Hi, Patrika. Hello, there's Stephanie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Well, we're so happy you're here with us today. There's so much to talk about. Ooh, and, and hi, Tamara. This is our first time meeting. Hi. I know. It's very, very nice to make your acquaintance virtually. Thank you. <laughs> well, let's start at the beginning. You were born in Jacksonville, Florida, and spent a good deal of your youth in Atlanta. So how did your interest in performing come about? Uh, well, my mother, as I think we've talked before about, my mother always called me Sarah Bernhardt and said I came out of the womb acting. So um, <laughs> it's kind of like that. And so it was always with school and, um, you know, the neighborhood backyard putting on things and putting on shows for the entire neighborhood that had uh, uh, your community center for the entire neighborhood thing. So I did all those things as a kid. Um, And I think it was kind of fun when I look back at now because we didn't have the telephone. We didn't have a social media. We, you yelled down the street or you had the tin can with a string. So, (laughs) which sort of puts me in that age group of, "Uh Oh, she's a little older than we thought. (laughs) 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 But you know, I had a great childhood when I think about it. I mean, um, you overlook all the bullying and the stuff that goes on, but basically, you know, when you look back and you think, well, I played outdoors, I had a lot of friends, uh, Um, those kind of things. It's fun. So you actually graduated from college with a degree in theater, but you worked as a credit manager before you began, I think, really focusing in on a professional acting career or no? Do I have that wrong? Well, it's kind of like I did both, but when you look at it, I'm not a good waitress. I was not a good person that could have that job that was more flexible. Um, You know, after you dump food in somebody's lap or you say, excuse me, you did not order mayonnaise, not on your sandwich. And I can't, I'm so sorry. Now listen. So anyway, so I, I, that wasn't a good profession for me. Um, you're drinking vodka tonic. I don't care if you order gin, you know, that kind of thing. wasn't in my case. Um, but I was good at investigating and um, looking for things. And so I worked my way up the ladder um, in credit from being an investigator to being um, a manager. I had people working for me. So I was a lady executive, but I had a number of dentist appointments. I think my roof fell off one time. Um, (laughs) Those little things where you have to do um, an audition or so. I didn't take a lot of vacations. My husband and I didn't travel much because I would turn vacation time in if I booked a job. Mm -hmm. So I didn't feel like I was cheating the people that were paying me my salary. But uh, so, listen, I started back when the Jeffersons was on and people don't even remember that doing special business, which is not even in our union anymore. Um, I mean, I did general hospital as an under five. And, you know, during those times, I think I had to have some caps put in or (laughs) crown workers. Anyway, it was um, I worked my way up and then I had a man say to me, you're a woman, no more than a goat. Do not ever contradict me again. Whoa. So that was, yes. And I told, I went from that 
that meeting, I went across the hall to the president and said, you have two weeks or 20 minutes, and you're lucky I'm not suing you, but I will not work for that person. I'm out of here. And that was probably the best thing. I mean, it's like the door opens and the door opens, the, whatever happens along those lines. And it was the worst experience of my life, but it was the best experience of my life because since then I have done nothing but work full-time as a performer. And um, so that's how it happens. That's amazing because I think also very few performers kind of have their their feet in both worlds in that way. And you really got to experience a very, you know, it's, it's, bad it's side of it, but that happens. Yeah. you. It's And I think as women, if I can just say something, we, you know, you don't have to take that. I mean, listen, I worked back in the 70s where women were not allowed to wear slacks to work. Um, you wore only a dress with hose. Uh, and then gradually you could wear a pantsuit. Uh, so things have really gone far for us as women, and um, and I'm very grateful for that time because it afforded me the opportunity to do little things part time. I met my husband on stage, um, and I was in the you know in the chorus. He was the stage manager, and we were married on that stage. You know, it'll be 48 years this year. So that's amazing. Uh, you know, so uh, everything works out the way it's supposed to. I think. Mm-hmm. Well, you may not have been a good real-life waitress, but as you mentioned, in 1986, you made your soap debut playing Sally on General Hospital. So um, what do you remember about that, how that came about, and just the experience of doing it? Uh, well, Marvin Page hired me at the time, so that was fun because he'd seen me in a, in a showcase somewhere. So I got to do that, and then it was, I thought it was just going one day. I didn't know it was going to be a recurring kind of thing, um, and I, I, I never worked so hard in my life. I had, was, as Sally the waitress, I wasn't just saying, here's your drink and here's your peanuts. I had that expose where they fill the audience in during the week, <laughs> that kind of thing where you have those long monologues like, so-and-so happened on Tuesday and on Wednesday this happened and so-and-so said this to this. So it was, a, I was like, and it was also when Gloria Monty was still there. Wow. She came over the loudspeaker one time yelling at somebody. I don't remember who it was, but I've never been so terrified <laughs> in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I just was in the dressing room like going, oh my God. And then I was grabbing the script going, do not mess a line up like this. <laughs> um, so it was terrifying. Um, but I made it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but I was there with Lucy Coe and all the others. I mean, it was with the start of Lucy. And I mean, it, when I look back on it now, having been more involved in the soap world, I go, wow, I was kind of at the start of something with the all the Duke and law, I mean, all that going on. So absolutely. So did you ever uh, have a one-on-one -on -one with Gloria or ever? Oh, with no, 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 okay. no. I'd have fainted. I'd have passed straight out. If she said, <laughs> can I see you? I'd have been gone. I would have, no, no, because she, it wasn't like she was just yelling. She, she had a mouth. A, 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 I have, I have sailor mouth. She had multi-sailor mouth. <laughs> <laughs> And she didn't have a problem saying it over the entire loudspeaker and every room heard her. And, and it wasn't just a flat speaking like this. It was <laughs> anyway, but listen, the woman was a genius. The woman made that show. I, so listen, and I learned my lines and learned how to learn. <laughs> Good lesson. Right? Now tell me the story of getting recognized as Sally, the waitress halfway around, around the world. Oh my God, my, my friend, uh, Noreen Rudin, won a, she was on the pyramid and she won a trip to Brazil. And she said, would you go with me to Rio de Janeiro? Hello, yeah, of course I'll go to Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> so we go to Rio de Janeiro and then they have these tours where you go out on the boat and they fill it, fill, they're giving you caipirinhas. If you ever have caipirinhas, be sure someone else is driving and that you trust the person you're with, <laughs> kiss your hoo-hoo goodbye. It is, those are powerful things. But anyway, so we're on a boat in the sun. I have this dumb hat. I look like Paddington Bear from here up and dark glasses on, which I took off at a, like this to get a drink. And this lady over here goes, oh my God, you're Sally. <laughs> and I'm like, took it, figuring out who she's talking to at this point. The soap fans are the most incredible, wonderful people in this world. And um, uh, I'm blessed to have got my own now, but to have been involved in this, to see the impact that these shows, and it's such a shame that there's only four major ones left. Um, 
it makes me kind of sad, but these, we are part of their lives. And for me to have that little recognition from just giving exposés about what was happening with, um, in the, in Duke's bar, uh, it's, it's amazing. And, um, that was my experience there with this lady. And we had this conversation, a lot of it going over my head because I wasn't an avid viewer of the show at that time. I was only familiar what with what's happening in my space as, um, as Sally. Mm -hmm. So anyway, Oh, that's amazing. It's incredible. It was an incredible experience. Um, now, when we look at your resume, I mean, it's just so insane. It seems like as a relative newcomer to Los Angeles, you really did quite well and quickly. Um, you know, so in those early years, you did different strokes, growing pains, staying elsewhere, like just to name a few. Um, you know, when you look back at that time, is it a happy time or did you feel like you had a struggle to get a foothold in the industry? It, you know what? It, it's like I didn't know that you had to have a foothold. It's like you said, I came this, I'm still in credit. I wasn't doing this. I was sort of locked in the nine to five job. I did, I was involved in community theater because that fed my soul at this point because I wasn't doing as much. Um, I, you know, I'm not a woulda, shoulda, coulda person. So I can't look back and say, well, if and wouldn't stuff like this. I can remember being called in to audition for it was one of the people on the uh, odd couple at the time they sent me across the hall and when i went in the casting director said oh hun uh, you're we we tried to tell your agent not to send you over because we just made an offer so it, you, those are how things work in this business i mean i could have taken that as a oh my life is over but you just move on to the different mm -hmm. things like that and I, I just have some great memories of all this kind of stuff so mm -hmm. yeah that's pretty incredible so fast forwarding a bit uh, to 1991, you garnered a lot of attention when you uh, endeavored to use your own money to campaign for an Oscar nomination for this like acclaimed role that you had. Uh, it was, <laughs> that, that had to be Daddy Stein who's got the will. That's right. That's right. So oh, that was sort of a, a challenge, right, to like the studio system of like pushing their preferred talent or whatever. But I'm so... It's a always. fan of the moxie there. So I want to hear about what made you do that and how it impacted your career. I think probably the, the one thing about that, that um, you, you're proud of your work. I had done, originated the role on stage. I performed it on stage for no monies for over two years in a 99-seat wet theater. Uh, we went to Edinburgh to perform in, the, in uh, Scotland uh, for the Fringe. Um, and then we came back and I was fortunate enough to reprise my role in the movie. Um, as Along with Molly McClure, may she rest in peace, she played the grandmother. And then I had a lot of people when it came out, please do this, you need to do this. Well, of course, you had no studio backing at this point. So I went, all right. So I got a publicist, um, Stan Rosen, uh, and he, uh, he guided me through the whole thing. I don't really think I had aspirations of getting it but it was an opportunity to say, please look at my work because of future things. What happened was I was put under contract by ABC from it. Um, wow. and they sold me in servitude. They sold me to Lorimar at the time. And then I did <laughs> step by step. So it, it, things move you forward and you try to keep that positive attitude. Again, doors opening, doors closing, but keep moving forward. So, but mm -hmm. that was it. Wow. Cue me trying not to break into the step-by-step -step theme song. And <laughs> <laughs> um, well, in 1991 and 1993, you appeared as two different characters in two episodes of Seinfeld. So again, another huge show. Like, what are your memories of being on that set? It, what a, the very talented people. And it was so great to be a part of that because I was just kind of, we just kind of started step-by-step, -step, but I'd also, we weren't, quite into that yet and then I got to audition and got that part I still play in in uh, Jason Alexander's he does a poker tournament every year for the we spark organization so uh, so there are people that I still know from there and I see from that, that that and then I had just done in the line of fire which Jerry had seen and he said see if Patrick is available to do this little bit part um, at with Newman at the mailbox which fortunately enough, I was doing Evening Shade at the time, but Evening Shade didn't film on Mondays. So I got to do, I got to do Jerry Seinfeld's uh, thing at the mailbox on Monday, and then I went and did Evening Shade for the rest of the week. So yes, I, I keep going around and bouncing. <laughs> it's amazing. It really yeah. is. Pretty incredible. 
Okay, so in 1994, four years after you uh, actually appeared on an episode of Roseanne, you played Roseanne Barr in the TV movie Roseanne and Tom Behind the Scenes. <laughs> so what do you remember about like that casting project and about shooting that project in general? Like I remember the promos for that, like it was yesterday. It's good to be the queen, honey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was a very interesting thing because at the same time NBC was doing the show, so was Fox. And both myself and Stephen Lee, who played um, opposite me, Tom, he and I both were asked by both Fox and NBC to do it as we went there. And then uh, the, the offer from NBC was better. The script was better at the time. So we both opted for that. I think a lot of times our agents had the most say about what was happening there too and where you're going financially, better exposure, yada, yada. It was, it was a wonderful experience. It's good to be the queen uh, and, and you're and number one on the call sheet. Woo! <laughs> good times, good times. Um, Stephen has since passed away, who played my Tom. Uh, but my experience was wonderful there. And then I was at my doctor's office one time and a uh, this person gets on the elevator like this and she goes, you cried too much. I don't know what that, and it was Roseanne. So we had a conversation. <laughs> uh, we had a conversation on the elevator. She liked what I did. In fact, when she was on um, uh, the late night show with um, Letterman, when she was mm -hmm. on with Letterman, she told Letterman, she gave me my start in show business. Uh, oh, now. <laughs> well, you know, uh, which is great. If you want to talk about me, that's fine. I'm a little older than her, and I've been doing a lot of stuff before her stand-up. But anyway, um, right. I'm grateful to have been memorized and that she acknowledged the fact that she liked my performance, and uh, it moves me on to the next step. Right. <laughs> Were you well, quaking in your boots when you realized you're in an on an elevator with Roseanne? Well, not really, because I'd already done the show with her. So, I mean, I, I, there was, we'd had, when I played Dan's Dream Lover, we still, we had a conversation. And so I didn't, I wasn't intimidated. You weren't being confronted by a no, stranger no. about your Listen, impersonation. Being with, being with like Sidney Poitier, that intimidates. That makes you kind of go, <laughs> Clint Eastwood, <laughs> those kind of things. Those make you just a little, you know, <laughs> but no. I was good there. I was good Amazing. there. Amazing. Well, with already an impressive list of credits under your belt, in 1998, I first met you when you were cast as Nancy Wesley on Days of Our Lives. So tell us what you remember about landing the role and like what you even knew about it going in. Let's just back up and go. I'm thinking, Fran Bascom, may she rest in peace, said to me, Patrika, will you do a soap? And I said, oh, hell yeah, I'll do a soap. I said, I love to work. I'm an actor. <clears throat> I'm thinking... Here's your, your drink and your peanuts. Can I get you something else? <laughs> so all of a sudden, my phone rings, I think, and my, um, my, I guess it was one of my friends. No, it was my agent called and said, turn on the TV quickly. You're going to see your husband on TV. I went, okay, my husband? So I turn it on, and there is Kevin Spiritus. <laughs> and now my mind goes, who the hell did they think they hired? <laughs> this, I, I was like, every... The, all the parts of you that fall victim to the bullies as a kid and like the things of your own self-worth and your self-doubt and you're like, holy crap, they don't, this is, something's wrong. Anyway, it wasn't wrong, but I got there still thinking it was wrong. Got the script, did stuff. Kevin and I, he, he was really fast and furiously calling me. We were, because you know Kevin. Um, we rehearsed it stuff, which was great. And I, I felt comfortable. Uh, I'm sitting in the makeup chair and I'm said to Nina Wells, who was my makeup person. I said, Nina, I said, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to finish or not. I said, because any seconds now, somebody's going to call and say, could we see Patrika Darbo? We've made a mistake. I'm still having that thing. At which point over the intercom, I swear to God to this day, I hear Patrika Darbo, please report to Steve Wyman. Nina with the brush in her hand goes, <gasps> She turned ashen, and I went, told you. <laughs> I get up, I'm like going up the stairs thinking, okay, this is it. I get up there, and I go in, and Steve Wyman goes, I just wanted to welcome you to the group and Aww. say you hello, tell you're part of the family, blah, 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 and back down to me. <laughs> That's Some of those things you will never, they're etched in my brain at this sure. point. Sure. Um, and, and I think when... Uh, Tom first wrote it, we weren't, reg we weren't regulars. We weren't, we were just day player people at that particular time. 
But when we aired that May, that day, that's when the phones blew up at NBC and I had a three-year contract right after we aired. Wow. And so did, and so did Kevin. So um, I, think, I think, as I've said a number of times, I think a lot of the audience could vicariously live through me. I was a size two, but I had a zero after my two, whereas Christian Alfonso has the zero in front of her two. You know, but they were, they were in love with her at first, but they fell in love with me because if she got Kevin Spiritus, I can get, I can get, I, I didn't start off as a role model, but it was something the, um, the thing that makes me get a little bit comped here at the moment is the fact the number of letters from younger women who were saying, I suddenly didn't feel like I had to put up with the bullies. I didn't, I could be who I was. And um, those were wonderful things for me to hear and to do stuff because it also made me start lessening the doubts that I had when I was going up those stairs. Mm -hmm. So um, it's been a wonderful ride. I'm enjoying every minute of it um, to have Brad Bell come and ask me from that to please be over um, at Bold and the Beautiful and now to cross over to Young and the Restless. Um, their blessings in life. And um, I owe it all to the fans. Again, I can't stress how important um, our fans are and um, how much I appreciate each and every one of them. Well, I think that Craig and Nancy were, um, they just added so much uh, fun and sexiness and zest to the canvas. When you think back about creating that relationship with Kevin in your first run, what stands out to you about collaborating with him? Well, you know, Kevin's a bit of a perfectionist, and uh, I wasn't quite used to that, but um, I think we had such a good rapport together, um, and we're still fast, fast friends. Um, I love his new show, and I'm, you know, if I can support him there, I will. The same kind of thing where he calls and talks to me, too. Um, I, I think the fact that we, we spent a lot of time together rehearsing the lines, learning the lines, if we call each other up and say, I would go, do you think Nancy would say it this way or this way? And he would say, mm, let me think about that because it'll depend on how I am. And so we worked together a lot of times. We got several messages from people going, do, do Craig and Nancy have different writers? I, <laughs> but it was because we, we were trying to be that husband and wife team. We were trying to be that more intimate thing, that more, you know, and at the same time we had fun because I wasn't keeping my hands off of him. He wasn't keeping his hands off of me. We were having that touchy feely kind of happiness going on as a married couple. And at this point it was, we played it as it was written that he truly loved and adored me. Big woman that I was. Um, and I loved and adored him. And if people got in our way, <laughs> mm -hmm. Oops. That's right. <laughs> you let me manipulate you. It's your problem, not mine. Uh, so uh, we had a, the best time. Um, and and I look, I got a beautiful daughter out of it. I still talk to Nadia and her mother just her mother just texted me this morning that she's a new grandmother because Jean-Paul, Nadia's brother, just had a baby. Uh, so uh, it, it's become uh, a nice family as mm -hmm. still is. Well, Nancy definitely was a fan favorite, and in 1999, you took home the Soap Opera Digest Award for Outstanding Female Newcomer. So tell us what you remember about that night and what that win meant to you. <laughs> now I'll start crying all over again. Um, I think at the time I told Allie Sweeney, it was like um, being invited to the prom. <laughs> I mean, there are plenty of times where I had decorated the prom as a teenager growing up, but I was never invited. Um, if it was today in 2021, I would have taken myself to the prom. <laughs> I would have said, you. Um, but um, at that time, I, growing up, I didn't. Um, so to have the acknowledgement, first of all, the, as I've said, the fans are wonderful. This was an acknowledgement from the fans and stuff, but my peers were so wonderful to me um, as when I won this, um, I, it was, <laughs> it was a wonderful experience. It's over on my top of my piano right now. So, um, you know, it's, it's a great thing. And, and, oh, and so few years after Roseanne Barr discovered you really incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, amazing. Well, as you mentioned, uh, Nancy's world expanded when her daughter Chloe was introduced in 1999. What do you remember about a then-teenaged Nadia Bjorlin who got that role? 
first of all, again, Fran Bascom said, um, we're, we're auditioning a bunch of women. Um, she said, uh, there's a new one that just came in. I would love for you to meet her because you're going to read with her tomorrow. And that's where I met Nadia. You know, first of all, she was breathtaking. And I'm going, I'm guessing she looks a lot like her dad <laughs> with these big blue eyes and this dark hair. And I'm like, okay, but th this is, this is going to be great. But she was so sweet and stuff. And then, of course, at her audition, they asked her to sing. I just, there were several other women that sang too, but not, nobody could hold sure. a candle to that audition. I, it was, she was just incredible. And then to turn her into ghoul girl was amazing. And, and then I'll never forget that cape coming off in that red dress. Mm -hmm. Okay. Kevin and I did good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible. Mm -hmm. Well, they did always seem to find a lot for Nancy to do and sort of mix it up. But then in 2003, your first Salem stint came to an end. So first of all, were you disappointed? And at the time, did you think this was the last we would see of Nancy? It, to be honest, um, and I really don't know because I, again, like I said, when that door closes, I know one's opening up somewhere. So mm -hmm. um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't feel bad and stuff. I mean, I did, I was aware that in times that people came back and forth and I knew that Nadia was still there. So maybe something would happen. I had a new baby who knows how, you know, how kids come back and forth. Um, so, you know, I really didn't know, but again, I'm not a woulda, shoulda, coulda. So it's like, okay, this one's closed. I'll just go through this door and see what happens. Um, and who knew uh, Then I was back again. So, mm -hmm. and if there, if anything, I mean, it's just, you know, everybody should treat it as it's a moving forward and don't have the regrets about it. If, if it's your dream, keep pursuing it and just do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the many doors that opened for you after you left days was your 2007 role in the Mike Nichols directed Tom Hanks starring Aaron Sorkin scripted film, Charlie Wilson's war. I would love to hear what it was like to work on that movie. First of all, it was terrifying again. Um, I met Mike Nichols. I went in for my audition for Mike Nichols and my manager at the time, Bobby Edrick, was like, she had me so rattled. It's Mike Nichols. You're going to meet Mike Nichols. You cannot mess this up. You're going to meet Mike Nichols. I was so like, I'm going to meet Mike Nichols. I'm going to, I can't mess this up. So <laughs> I, I'm going in there and with reading with the casting director, Mike Nichols is sitting there and I'm starting, it was kind of like, and I went, excuse me, just a second, Mr. Nichols. Excuse me, just a second. Um, I've got to get my manager out of my head. She's making me cuckoo brain. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm ready now. <laughs> and I did my thing and I got the part. Um, but the interesting, once I get on set, Mike Nichols says to me, I want you to start over here and I want you to ad lib till you get to this point, like say right here by this tree. Then once here's point, I want you to do Aaron's monologue here like this. And then when you get over here, I need you to ad lib some more. Then when you're through, I need you to come back a little bit more, finish the second part of my, my, uh, Aaron's thing. And then I went. <laughs> <laughs> now, and you, Aaron Sorkin likes every word he says. Mm -hmm. On that page that you're reading, he wants coming out of your mouth, as well as the ums and the ahs. So there's my terrifying thing. Ad lib, ad lib, Aaron Sorkin. Ad lib, ad lib, Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> Aaron Sorkin. So um, listen, so my speech when the camera's directly on me is Aaron Sorkin. Anytime else you hear me talking while Julia's going up the stairs and they're talking over there, I'm just rattling off <laughs> stuff like this. So it worked. And um, he thanked me at the end. He said, that was great. So I was very happy. <laughs> so, wow. That's anyway, an incredible that was story. A good experience, but a bit frightening. Mm -hmm. Just a bit. Just a bit. Well, in here. In 2013, you did get the, the call to return to Days. You know, what did that mean to you? And what was it like the second time around? Well, you know, it was very, I mean, it was lovely to be called back and to ask stuff and have a kind of a fairly good storyline going there with dealing with Nadia. And anyway, uh, I was back in the family. It was like I hadn't left. It was, people were the same. I mean, there were a few different faces and I was like, some people I don't know and some people I do know. Um, but again, it was, first of all, it's good having a job. Second of all, it was going back to be with family. So it was nice. What was it like to be back on the set 10 years later? Remembering those lines. <laughs> Remembering the lines. And the thing is, is that at this point, when you think about it, different people have married, different people have kids. Now they're remarried to this person. They're so trying to keep those straight while I'm talking and going, why is Ari, Ari Zucker at this point? Why is she involved? What, who's going? 
who's this person? What's that person? So that gets a little out of pity. If you're not an avid viewer and you're not, you're only got this script, so you're not sure what's been happening. So you kind of say, who's who now? What's happening over here? Uh, so I try to do that. And, and, um, and then I get an ask back again. So at least I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> Right. Well, it was. It was during that second stretch that was longer, where you made appearances from 2016 to 2017, uh, when the opportunity to join Bold and Beautiful came up. So tell us what you remember about how you came to play Shirley Spectra. Uh, the phone call from Brad, uh, how, you know, first Darlene Connolly and I um, would see each other at events and screw, we're there, we'd you know, be sitting on a piano singing together, right, two redhead ladies. Anyway, which was so interesting because then when we did go to do this Spectra and they cleaned up the Spectra office on the desk are pictures of Darlene and I as sisters oh. that they pulled from different photo sessions that we had done and things like that. So, so cool. it, it was amazing. It was truly amazing. And with Alex Weiss, who was one of it, and Danita, who were, you know, the whole crew, the four of us were great. Um, it was fun. It was a great experience. I'm sorry that that came to a kind of an end. Uh, as it did, um, but to suddenly have that crossover now is just amazing. Um, my only regret about the crossover is that my grandmother had passed because it was her favorite, Young and the Restless was her favorite show. I'd like to think she's watching it somewhere. I have to hope so. Yeah. She's probably in her coffin trying to get the hell out, trying to go, I want to know what's going on and I need to meet Victor. <laughs> <laughs> So I never met Darlene Conley. I don't know that Steph ever did. Tell, tell us what your experience of her was like. She's a broad baby. <laughs> <laughs> she was, um, she's who, who, she's who we all want to be as character women for sure. She, um, uh, was amazing, fabulously talented. She could burst into song at any point, tell a joke and then impersonate somebody. Uh, she was amazing. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. We didn't have more of a friendship. Um, but my mind, she's always going to be amazing. The amazing Darlene Conley. So, mm -hmm. um, and were, did you notice any like big differences between how they did things at days versus how they did things at B and B? Was there any sort of adjustment for you? I think, well, the, first of all, an hour show and a half hour show. So things are a little different along those lines. Um, uh, but the, your hair and your makeup people become the most vital people because they're putting you together. The, the, uh, the, costumer who made um, uh, Shirley's fabulous outfits and stuff like that was amazing. Uh, and I just, it, it's a little faster, um, but still kind of the same thing. They're really the, the, the professionalism of having your cameras and your director and uh, those things going on. Um, it was pretty much the same. And uh, for me, uh, sometimes I forget which, because I was only serving peanuts in the past at this point and then doing days and things, I could not get used to that last where the camera comes in and freezes on you, but there's no dialogue because it's just the fade into the next thing. And I was like, Oh, no, there's something on here. I should be talking to something. <laughs> I know who I I need to know what's happening. <laughs> it was the most. And that was still, even to this day, I'll go in there like this and I, I want to keep doing the scene because scenes are broken up to put in the next person's part and then they come back to your part. This this way so for me it was like I want to finish this thing right now right. I got more to say <laughs> yeah that's it's kind of that and I guess it's even harder because I can't shut my mouth half the time but it's like when you're on stage or when you're doing a lot of times episodic they don't break things up like that you continue that thing and then the other hard part I think for the soaps was when I first started in 98 shows took a lot longer to get where they were going so on Monday, you said, see Dick run. On Tuesday, you said, did you see Dick run? <laughs> on Thursday, Dick was running. And on Friday, you finished what, what Dick was running to. So <laughs> it's that kind of, and remember, trying to remember which day I'm on. What, it, did Dick run already? Is he running? <laughs> Those kind of things. So um, it's been an experience and it's still the same. That keeps moving. So I'm getting more used to it. <laughs> And maybe by the time I'm 110, I'll have it. <laughs> so uh, after Shirley was, was written out of B&B &B in 2018, eventually her granddaughter, Courtney Hope, uh, uh, who plays Sally on the show, uh, she left and she went over to YNR. And that leads us to us having the, the good fortune of seeing you again, this time on YNR. So <laughs> tell us the story of how your appearance uh, and those video calls with, with Sally came about. 
Well, as when we before we started recording, we sort of t before we started recording, we all talked about the fact that we've become technical wizards at this point. <laughs> Things I'm not going into the studio. What you see is me at my publicist's office at his desk, filming my conversations just to the phone. My publicist is in his kitchen reading, and me talking. That's how we're doing it at this point. I have no physical contact with YNR people or with with Courtney. Um, so uh, hopefully at this point, I saw the first one. It looked pretty good. I went, ooh, this, this turned out pretty good. Yeah, it did. <laughs> but again, we're like lighting camera actions, trying to make sure that the dog down the hall doesn't bark at, as, you know, when we have pets. And because you're not in that soundproof studio anymore. Um, and uh, the first couple times I did the phone conversation, I was pulling things out of my closet. Then uh, the second times I'm doing stuff, uh, YNR sent over costumes and things for me. This, try to wear this one in this show, try to wear this one in this show. So now I've got trying to mix, trying to keep the clothes that come from YNR, not mix it. This goes over here, trying to, okay, <laughs> what jewelry was I wearing? Trying to remember that I should take a picture so that I remember what I was wearing in this one. So if I have to do a second show or a pickup, I have those. So uh, again, we're back to, I'm performing. I'm a camera technician. I'm a lighting technician. I'm a sound technician. I'm dressing myself, doing my hair and makeup too. I'm a wizard. I am stupendous. That's you're incredible. a one woman industry. <laughs> I could run a show, baby. So. <laughs> um, now, when you heard that Courtney was joining Young and the Restless, did you have any sort of hope that they would bring Shirley on, or maybe that Shirley would make an appearance somehow? You know, I was never sure. You can always hope for stuff but again like I'm a wooden note or could have should have. I just like um, Courtney and I've become very good friends I am a governor for the television academy here in Los Angeles and um, all the governors have a peer group that's their executive committee and I asked Courtney if she'd like to be part of it because she was interested in moving forward and finding out more things that are going on in the industry so she is on my executive committee uh, and, and I guess now it's like her third year being there so it's, so she's learning about the business more and everything there. So again, we're pretty good close. And then um, out of nowhere, I got the call um, to my agent got the call and asked me what I do. I said, of course, I'll do it. I'm, I'm not doing anything else right this second. So um, of course, I'll, it'll be fun until they said you got to do it technically. And I went, um, uh. <laughs> and that was when, when Anthony Turk, who's my publicist, said, you know what? I can handle all of that. You don't have to worry about it. So we were good. And um, I think I've got another one that I'm doing coming up. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say that or not, but I think since I'm already there, they'll know I'm still talking to her. So, um, <laughs> but it's fun. It's been a lot of fun and it's nice to finally, like I said, it was one of the four soaps that the only soap I hadn't done before. So to get to do it now um, and Ed Scott had been um, a, a you know, producer on Bold and the Beautiful and to come over to, and Melanie I've met before and several of the people there I've known and Kate Linder, of course, uh, I know her a lot. She's also on the executive committee too. She's been a governor of the academy. So um, it, it's, it's, we're kind of like a nice little family group and we keep going that way. Um, now I'm curious uh, because not only have you done such a wide swath of these like narrative projects that we've talked about, but you've also done a lot of commercials. So I want to know, what are you recognized for the most? So many things to pick from, from, from the fan perspective. It, it's, it's so interesting. I mean, I did the Tetley Tea Lady for nine years, and I think that was one that people remembered me from because I was like, and this is Pearl, and this is Tetley Tea, and I'm not doing those perforations. Who, have, like, who the hell put all those perforations in there, and why are we counting them? So, and that was a long time there. Um, uh, right now I've got a CarMax, I think, running and a Rocket Mortgage running right this moment. Uh, it's, it's hard to pick because also I'm short round character woman with red hair and there are a lot of us out there. So a lot of times I'll get, Oh, I just loved you in that commercial. And I go, well, that was great, but that wasn't me. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's, listen, I love to work. Um, I've had the opportunity to do that. I just finished a film, just the voice. You're not even, I, I don't even know if I have credit because it's one of those things that's at the producer's credit. And I think I had like four lines because they liked what I sounded like. Um, it's amazing. And I got to do uh, Rango, which was only my voice, uh, but with, worked with Johnny Depp, uh, which was a fun experience because normally when you do voiceovers, you're all by yourself in a booth. You never see anybody. You don't talk to anybody. And this particular thing, 
uh, we were all on a set together. We had pieces of costumes and we were acting out what we were doing voice things. Then they'd take us over into this batten place and we'd all be there together doing the dialogue. It was a crazy experience, but it was fun. And I can remember Johnny Depp getting instructions for something and he kind of looked at the rest of the cast going, isn't this just voiceover? <laughs> So it was, you know, so I've had some very fun experiences along that. Mm -hmm. That is really amazing. Um, and we should also mention that you did reteam with Kevin on the dual app for the last blast reunion. So, yeah. So what was it like to even just revisit those characters? Cause as part of that whole storyline. Well, it was crazy. And you kind of like going, you know, it's going, when you find Nadia dead on the floor, you kind of go, what the hell's going on here? It's got to be, it's, and then your man goes, this is, this is soap. This is soap. She's not really dead. Ooh, he's not really dead either. Ooh. And then you got to go, okay, we're done. We're out of here. I can't wait to go home and turn this on, see what happens like this. Um, and, and then lately to have seen all of the kids that were kids, yeah. you know, coming back to see them grown up and still wonderfully talented and doing stuff. Heather Lindell. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, fabulous performance that she did on days um mm -hmm. uh you know and just they're all i mean it's just amazing it's kind of like the mother seeing her kids grow up because truly that's what's going right. on nadia was what 19 years old when she started on days and just to see them all grow up and to see the wonderfulness of how wonderfully talented and the growth that they've all done is just amazing amazing i know I feel the same way. I feel like I interviewed them as teenagers and now I'm interviewing them as moms and it's, like, it's you know, trippy. And, you know? and it's honey like this. We're still here, babe. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm still standing. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. Now, uh, I, you mentioned earlier that you met your husband uh, while you were doing a show. I believe it was Anything Goes, one of my faves. Mine too. Um, but 40 seven plus years into marriage. I want to know how you knew that this guy was the guy for you. Okay. I, you know, I really don't know, but I remember after our first date, I went and told everybody in the office, this is the guy I'm going to marry. Oh, it just was, um, uh, I think marriage is not a 50, 50 proposition. It's a 100, 100, because if either of you have to give up half of yourself, you're not entering into anything whole. So, um, it seems to work. <laughs> um, I, it was terrifying a little bit for me because I nearly lost him last November um, to a, a heart problem. And um, But he's getting better. If you could see my dining room table right now, it looks like a pharmacy. Um, so I'm, I'm teaming up to keep him alive. At this point. Um, and um, But I wouldn't have it any other way. In fact, he's the person I'm going to grow old with. Um, because I told him he better quit the crap. <laughs> Stop it. Stop You're it. Stick it around, Rolf. Stop it. You're sticking around. <laughs> well, that's amazing. I've had the great pleasure of meeting him, and you two are just a really amazing couple. Did together. you meet him when he goes like this? I'm going to be over here because I don't. <laughs> he doesn't want to put it. it, it the only time I can get him to mostly go someplace is if I'm nominated for something. Um, uh, or I'm, you know, he feels he wants to meet somebody or do something. Otherwise, take one of your boy toys because I'm not going. <laughs> so when you look back to your, at yourself, like in the credit manager's office, um, and then now looking back at all the amazing things you've gotten to do from Sally the Waitress to all these incredible films and soaps and awards, you know, what does it mean to you that you have forged such an unbelievable career? You know, it's really hard sometimes, Stephanie, because I sit back and I don't always see that. I think sometimes my own um, lack of self-esteem sometimes, I don't, I don't think about myself in this position up here. I still think of myself here. I have to sometimes be reminded by the people that are closest to me going, no, <laughs> no, that's not who you are. This is who you are. Um, so I, I think we all still have some self doubts in ourselves and things like that. Um, when I sit back sometimes and I'm going to be examining this, when I get off of this call going, that's an interesting conversation I need to have with myself. How do I feel about that? How do I, I, I sometimes feel that I'm the same person. Um, I could pick up the telephone now and make you pay a bill. <laughs> I, I know how to do that. Please um, don't. And, and I also know how to, um, to be in a, a 
to start to cry right this moment just because you want me to, not because I need to, um, that my acting ability has come out. Um, uh, I think the whole thing across that I can say that sticks in my mind is to be kind. Be kind to everyone because that person that was in that office and this person who is now sitting here looking across the room at her Emmy goes, I really have achieved a lot in my life. Um, and I have a lot of people to thank for it. Um, but I also have to say I worked hard for it and I didn't give up and I won't give up and I'm still here. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. Right. Bravo. Yeah, thank totally. You. Thank you. Well, you have expressed your uh, appreciation for the fans throughout this interview, but before we let you go, is there anything you would want to say, you know, directly to uh, particularly the daytime audience that has embraced you since we met you, I guess, first as Sally and then, of course, as Nancy and now as Shirley? You know, I, I, the only thing I could just say is, is a grateful thank you. Um, because every little step that I've taken in the soap world has been uh, because I've got all these wonderful fans behind me pushing, going, we love you, we love you, we love you, and thank you for coming into our house every day. Um, and uh, and um, the only other thing I could say is my apologies to anyone who yelled out, Nancy, Nancy, and I didn't know you were speaking to me, or Shirley, Shirley, and I didn't know you were speaking to me, um, because... I wasn't in tuned into that. Um, there were several times that I went past people that I didn't know they were speaking to me. But I'm very grateful for the fans um, and for the love. And listen, I've <laughs> I've got those that call me up uh, that I've shared my phone with. I have the Southern Mafia that I met um, at a at a South Carolina baseball game where I had food poisoning. And um, the next morning as I was green going to this place I was obligated to go to and looked like hell on wheels um, because I'd been up all night saying hello to Europe um, <laughs> that, uh, that are still fast and furious friends. Um, I've been through their children growing up, their grandchildren being born, they're losing their husbands. Um, they've become family. The daytime fans are family. Mm -hmm. That's the best way I could say that. And I love each and every one of them for it. Well, this is amazing, Patrika. It was so great to catch up with you. It's just you. so awesome thank to hear your stories. Yeah, I never you. get tired of them. And look forward to seeing you as Shirley now on Young and the Restless yes. and hope you will actually be there in person. It yes. will be nice so I can act instead of doing all those other things I have to do to go there. <laughs> right. but this has been fun. Mara, it was a pleasure meeting you. Stephanie, as ever. Uh, we're, we're, you know, honey, cocktail time as soon as we can all get together for sure. <laughs> Join us, Mara, at this point. <laughs> so. All right. Well, thanks, Patrika. Have a great day. Have Thank a great you, honey. You too. Bye. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Patrika Darbo for being our guest. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to pick up a new issue on sale now and come back next week for another podcast. <laughs>